When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. And welcome in to Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And you can't win Super Bowls without drafting football players to fill out your roster. So, you know, maybe a step in the right direction. We'll break it all down here. Mackie Judd, our executive producer, Declan Goff, and the show, as always, presented by our friends at Surly Brewing Company and TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Before we get into just sort of the big-picture recap of the Vikings draft here, Kwesi Adolfa Mensa's first draft as an NFL general manager, how are you guys feeling today? We, I think we did, I want to say like 15 hours of live streaming and podcasts recapping the Wolves and the Vikings draft, the Surly draft party a couple nights ago. How, how are we holding up today here, boys? I honestly am so set to go Monday night at the X. Dex and I earlier today, Judd's Hockey Show, breaking it down. Seriously, I am revitalized. Like, the Wolves are done now. And as I explained, thank you very much, as I explained on a uh, Evening Judd video, the Wolves and Grizzlies, appetizer. It was a good appetizer. Like, it's like, I'd like an app. What do you got? Bring a couple apps, right? A little calamari? Field Royce, you think. Bring us three ah, calamaris, two of those uh, nacho plates. And uh, we'll do uh, six bunny bowls, some of the garlic bread, and uh, four plates of calamari. Oh, and throw in some of the uh, the progies. And yeah. a surly for Judd, and then come back for the order, right? So now the order is up. And I got the menu. And the menu starts, as Declan and I talked about, Monday night. So I actually am not only not tired, I am rearing to go here. Okay. Are you alive? How are you doing? I'm alive. You know, I I, personally, I I slept in till 1030 today. It was great. I don't think I've slept in that late in months. Uh, So it was it was I'm revitalized and rejuiced here. And yes, like Judd, I'm ready for the NBA playoffs. Um, also, NHL, though, well, NHL playoffs, NHL yeah. playoffs, you know, and to a degree, I guess the NBA playoffs, you know, it's, it's I'm still right. in on, I'm still very much in the NBA playoffs, scouting, um, scouting players, the Timberwolves can trade for and get rid of D'Angelo Russell. That's another, uh, another episode. But yes, I'm very excited for, to break down this draft and also a little housekeeping thing, uh, tomorrow on the purple daily YouTube channel, I would love to talk with Vikings fans about this draft. So if you'd like to be a part of that episode, shoot me an email. VikingsVentline at gmail.com. I know you guys want opinions. We're going to keep it just us three for this episode. But if you have thoughts on the draft, 
I'll gladly host tomorrow on this YouTube channel. Probably tomorrow afternoon. Shoot me an email, vikingsventline at gmail.com, and, and uh, we'll go from there. I think I think uh, Maya Maya's the monster out here, sure. she's got some takes on, Maya on what happened in this draft. She's all in on the Seahawks draft. She wants to talk Seahawks draft. It was a great, yeah, great Seahawks draft down the street. So, all right, well, the Vikings rounded out day three of the NFL draft. They, they did go more offensive heavy today than they did the first two days. So they wind up, we'll just do kind of a big picture thing here, but there's a couple interesting themes that are worth pointing out. So they went five defensive players in their first six picks. So they went very defense. They went very defensive heavy in free agency, and they went very defensive heavy the first six picks of the draft. The only offensive player was uh, Ed Ingram, the guard from LSU. Speed was a theme, right? Lewis Seen, one of the faster defensive backs, you know, probably the fastest safety in the draft. You're going to find, you know, you know, Ty Chandler was the running back they took today on day three. From he, he spent three or four years at Tennessee. Then he was at North Carolina, ran for 1,000 yards last year. I think he ran like a 4-3-8, 40-yard dash. Uh, Asamoah posted a good 40 times. So so speed was definitely a theme here. But I'm going to throw one nugget out, and you tell me how much it concerns you, okay? Okay. So the consensus big board across all of Mock Draftville. So there, there's, there's a website called mockdraftdatabase.com where they just pull from all of the credible mock drafts throughout mock draft season. And and they put together a big board of where and it, actually this is more of a big board. There's a mock draft consensus but then there's a big board consensus. Sure. Of the 10 picks, 9 picks. 9 picks, right? They made 9 picks. They traded 10, uh, ten, ten picks. Well, I might have missed someone in here. Uh, of the 10 picks they made I'm leaving Jalen Naylor out here. He was 191 overall. I think the only one that they drafted above slot value consensus board mm-hmm. was Andrew Booth. So Lewis Seen, and again, does this mean that it was a bad draft? Time will tell. Lewis Seen was 32nd on the consensus big board. He was drafted 32nd. Mm-hmm. Booth was 24th on the consensus big board. He was drafted 42nd, so great value according to consensus. Mm-hmm. Ed Ingram, you drafted him 40 slots earlier than the consensus. Asamoah, you drafted him almost 30 slots before the consensus. A Caleb Evans, you drafted him 22 slots before the big board consensus. Um, the the Gopher uh, edge rusher, uh, Assisi, you drafted him 60 slots before. So... According to the consensus big board, the Vikings reached with most of their picks. Do you care about that? Do you care about the consensus big board? I care a little bit. Um, like you said, it, it, it's hard to get worked up about like the overall general. Like, it, who knows, right? I get, so here's some questions I've got off of your question. So my answer to your question is I care a little bit. Like, I'm not going to be pounding the table because of that. Um, but I've got questions, and included in my questions are this. It feels like they they clearly have decided that some pieces that I sort of like from the 2021 draft class or would have given a chance to don't fit. For instance, um, Ty Chandler ran a 4.3840 at the combine, so he's a very fast running back. Well, Wang Wu was too. 
So, like, does that mean that you're out on him, that you've moved on? Like, I, I, I don't know, but I'm just asking the question. I think that one is more looking into the future. Alex Madison is a free agent after 2022, and it's pretty unlikely the Vikings, who who are going to have money tied up in Dalvin Cook still for the next two or three years, you know, maybe they trade him at some point. Mm-hmm. Alex Madison probably hits free agency, and so they might not view Wang Wu as a – as a reps guy, they might view him as a, as a return guy and more of a gimmick player or like a trinket player. You can diagram some plays for mm-hmm. I mean, Wang was not really even in college. Wang wasn't really a line him up in the backfield and hand the ball off. So if Dalvin cook goes down, let's say in 2023 and Alex Madison signs somewhere else, you need someone that has experience taking a handoff once in a while. And he that wasn't, did- that wasn't really Wang in college either. Yeah. And it, it also feels like this draft with all of the trades, that they might have gotten too cute. By that I mean this. Starting, so they had going into Thursday night, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight draft picks, okay? By the end of the draft, they had made, of the 10 picks that they eventually got, they had made two picks, both in the sixth round at the slots that they were originally intended to. Uh, They made, by my count, and I might be wrong here, seven different trades with six teams. They traded with Detroit. They traded with Green Bay. They traded with Indianapolis within the first two days. Then today they traded with the Raiders, the Raiders in Cleveland. Um, at some point in time, I think you I think you could be outsmarting yourself to move up and take guys who, to your point, Phil, were graded below where they took them. And here's my last thing that I'm not a huge fan of. The Ed Ingram pick, okay? Just from an um, optic standpoint, if you go and look up on Google the dead spin piece that we touched on last night, and I went and and after we got done last night, read it. Um, and then I read that Quasi basically wouldn't reveal much about the decision or about the background of the pick, just said we did our due diligence, we're comfortable. Um, he was accused of a significant and it got it got dropped. But I mean he was he he was accused of a significant crime. And I guess I'm a little bit leery of the fact that Quazy is like Mr. Man of the People and we're transparent and we're open and we're collaborative until the going gets tough. And then it's like, well, we're not going to talk about that. Um, you got to, in, in my opinion, you got to sort of pick your path there. You're either I'm not going to talk about it or I'm Mr. Friendly, Mr. Friendly, Mr. Friendly. And now I'm not answering your questions. That bothers me a little bit just as a first blush. So, like, I'm not saying that this is the future. I don't know. But if you're asking me to sort of break down big picture, what I saw, what I think, that at least sets off a little bit of a bell and whistle to me. Because, I mean, Ed Ingram was not accused of shoplifting from his his Tom Thumb, you know? Like, it's one thing if you're accused of something that's like, okay, that's a child, that's a dumb childish thing. This is a, this is concerning a little bit. So anyway, those are things that stood out, but... I would defer to what you said, and I do agree. Like, as far as passing overall judgment on the draft, we don't know. We never know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, well, the seventh-round pick wasn't good enough. Um, So those are the things that sort of stood out to me as a a big-picture takeaway. Mm -hmm. Dex, what's your your overall takeaway here? Uh, From from the draft itself, I mean, obviously, Scene's going to be a day-one starter. Booth potentially, right? Like, I don't think it's a lock. He's a day one starter, but should slot in if we were recklessly speculating on how the depth chart rolls out. 
probably is maybe a starting outside cornerback when it's all said and done. Um, I find it interesting, though, that with them going defensive heavy in the first half of this draft, which doesn't surprise me, I am surprised that they have basically banked on the fact that the offense is fine as it is, and there isn't anything that we really need to add to it. And I know they have a guard that they could potentially plug and play as the right guard, and they have a lot of competition there, so that's great. But they have looked at the Vikings offense for 2022 basically as it's hasn't reached its potential yet, and we're not even going to add a new flavor to it. Now, that might be the right call, but I do think it's a little interesting that they're basically not really adding of anything of significance to that offense. And let's be honest, even with Mike Zimmer and both QBX uh, running the show here the last few seasons, that offense hasn't reached its full potential of being a top-five offense, which it should be. And I think it's an interesting gamble to not add to it and just say, no, we just have to tweak a few things, and that's how we'll make it a top-five offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of set it off the top of the show, but you know, the limited resources they had in free agency, the bigger bucks went to defensive players, and then they patchworked a couple defensive spots. You know, Chris Reed... Looks like he's going to start somewhere along the offensive line, but that was for a couple million dollars. And then to spend five of your first six picks on defensive players, it's very obvious they said, all right, we're going to we're gonna bring in all kinds of new defensive personnel, a new defensive scheme. We're going to run a 3-4 for the first time in 30-plus years with the Vikings and uh, and then hope for some regression in just how bad the Vikings were in the final two minutes of the the, the first and second halves. And to Declan's point, they haven't done much to change the offense personnel-wise. You're going to get Irv Smith back. Ole Udo's not going to start at right guard. I think if the season started today, Garrett Bradbury is your starting center. They did not draft a center, which is interesting. So could could is Chris Reed the backup center? Is he going to start at right guard and then he, and he's the backup sort of emergency center? Or... Does he start at center and Garrett Bradbury becomes a backup and they start one of the young guys, maybe Ed Ingram or Wyatt Davis or somebody else at right guard. But I, Kevin O'Connell came in here and said, and I think we all agree, I can maximize this a lot more than Clint Kubiak and Mike Zimmer if, if we just run the personnel back mostly the same. Let's get Udo out of here because he's in over his head. But that's the biggest theme here. They're it's, they don't have to be done adding players because there are still some interesting free agents. My guy, J.C. Treader, would be a nice cherry on top of all of this. So there's still a thing or two that you can do, and you do have a little bit of cap space. But this is basically the Vikings roster, and the biggest additions were defensive players. And offensively, the biggest addition is Kevin O'Connell, right? They are convinced, right or wrong, that Kirk Cousins can become a legitimate Pro Bowl, Super Bowl caliber quarterback with the right guy. Like, that's, I, I mean, I thought that, but I thought they might get him a little bit more. Like, you know, why not get him more? I mean, there's no, there's no, like, well, you can't have another wide receiver because the rules don't al- allow that. Um, but they are, they basically are confirming what we've talked about, I think, which is they think that Kevin O'Connell can not just exceed what Clint Kubiak did with uh, Kirk Cousins, but also what Gary Kubiak did, also what, you know, Kevin Stefanski did. I mean, they are saying Kevin O'Connell and this offensive system will turn Kirk Cousins, will will clear up all of the things that we have, um, what's the right word, complained about, criticized, critique. They are saying he will fix that. I have no idea if they're right or not, but I mean, that's, that's legitimately what they are saying. Um, and they did get him more help. I, I mean, the offensive line, no, I do 
if they're going to decide Bradbury is the guy, you guys, I do think the offensive line of, well, I mean, it's not good, good enough. I think it's gone. I think that's gone from all of our arsenals. Us, the Kirk stands. Um, I think we I think we all need to agree that on opening day of training camp in late July that we all agree that this offensive line is just flat out good. Like, I, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear it. They've decided they have Kirk's best interest in mind, right? As far as we know. So I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear, well, Bradbury, I mean, he got, you know, if he gets thrown into the 15th row at Soldier Field, hey, this is their guy. On paper, I have another thought here, too. Just one thing I really like, actually, about this Vikings draft. But on paper, the Vikings offensive line should be a lot better. So yeah. think about where we were at this point last year. So, so right after the draft last year and after free agency, and it's like, oh, they didn't really... They didn't really do a whole lot to fix the offensive line again. And so they go into the season, and Derisaw was coming off core surgery. He's a rookie. We didn't really even see him until like a third of the way through the season, right? So mm-hmm. so the left tackle was completely up in the air. Oli Udo was an experimental right guard. And uh, and Brian O'Neill was, was basically the only solidified option. Ezra Cleveland, I think people had hope for. So... Tons of question marks going into last year, which was inexplicable, by the way. Why would you go into the fourth year of Kirk Cousins in a win-now season with all those question marks? Sure, It's not that the question marks have been eradicated going into 2022, but I think you still feel good about Brian O'Neill. He's one of the top ten right tackles in the NFL. I feel really good about Derisaw, especially the last five or six games. You know, Go look at the pro football focus grades. You know, he, just, he played some games against San Francisco, the Rams, where he only allowed like a pressure or two pressures per game against some really good defensive fronts. So I feel I feel better about the tackle situation than I have in years going back probably to the first year of Matt Khalil. You know, Ezra Cleveland, not spectacular, but he's like a league average left guard. And that's uh, yeah, fine. I'm not going to rip. Uh, yes. And, and we already talked about Chris Reed. He's a, just a, a solid veteran right guard that's going to come in and hopefully be league average. So it's not a perfect offensive line. The Bradbury thing still makes me nervous. They're going to have to find because they're not going to pick up his fifth-year options. At some point, and they didn't do it this draft, they're going to have to find a long-term option at center. But, yes, on paper, the Vikings offensive line should be quite a bit more settled than it was at this time going into training camp last year. And I think what you said last night is correct. I think Reed now is probably going to compete with Bradbury for the the starting job at center. Ingram's a second-round pick, you guys. I, I think he probably needs to start like a second because we thought Wyatt Davis coming in last year as a third round pick, which is a high pick, might ha- have a chance to start. So from what Thornton told us last night on the podcast, I got to think that the intent right now is that Ed Ingram is going to start at right guard. Reed is going to now compete because that the center position is the only one at which I think you, it's mandatory that there's competition and perhaps the competition at right guard is Davis and Ingram. So I just, the one I can't see them not having, if you're not going to pick up the fifth year option on Bradbury, it doesn't make sense not to at least compete there. Yeah, Like it makes zero sense. What is, uh, pardon me for not having done the dive on this yet, but Chris Reed has experience playing some center, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm, if you think, Ed Ingram, because he's a second-round pick, and you're right. Like you draft a guy in the second round, he's 
you're priming him to be a starter at some point. You don't draft him to be a backup, right? Right. Does he compete with Cleveland? Does he compete at right guard, or does or does he start at right guard and Chris Reed slides over to center? And maybe they're going to just figure all this stuff out starting so minicamp. So I bet just a total guess here. I bet the competition at center is Bradbury and Chris Reed. I bet the competition at right guard in this order: Ingram one, Wyatt Davis two. And then who, who's the guy that, that they signed? Who's a swing backup guy uh, from the, the yeah from from the the he was the Dolphins last year. Dolphins, he was, one, he was graded as one of the worst offensive linemen. In yeah. the league, but he's better at guard than he was at tackle. But anyway, so, so I yeah. bet he's three, and I bet he's the swing guy. Uh, but I bet the hope is that it ends up being Ingram at right guard, Cleveland at left guard, and then and then Wyatt Davis and or Reed or both. End up being the um, being the, the guy that could back up there and center. So the anyway, point here is they have options. They yes. have, it feels like they've it, got they've got some options here. The point, yeah, my point is this: I am not going to sit here and say they have screwed up the offensive line again. It doesn't feel like they have. Yeah, and you know, I mean, and we we've brought this up a few times. The Rams had no Pro Bowlers along their offensive line last year. And the Rams were number one in the NFL in pass block win rate. It's it's about the collective. It's about not having a weak link. It's less about having three yeah. Steve Hutchinsons, you know. And a... everybody works together, right? I I also think that this is a clear. This is the final indication. And I sort of had this this feeling before, but I think it's finally official now too. In their minds, in Quazy's mind, in the Wilfs' mind, in Kevin O'Connell's mind. Mike Zimmer didn't care but by the end about offense, right? He started to meet with Kirk, but he didn't really enjoy it. Um, so he didn't care about offense. And this is going to sound harsh, but to me, the draft and the uh, free agency period proved this out a little bit. Their feeling is at the end, he was incompetent defensively. Yeah, I mean, and he was. Yeah. No, but I mean, it sounds harsh because that was his valley. That was his first love but i i think that's the message yeah. he was incompetent defensively and they let it get away yeah so okay um one thing i really like about this that i know we kind of we kind of fought about this me versus you guys last night that you, you guys weren't in love with the trade backs although trading back up for booth kind of changed the the discussion yeah. for for both you guys but this was widely regarded as a sort of flat talent draft. There, there wasn't top end quarterback talent. There wasn't a consensus on you know these are the five best players and they're going to go in the top five. It was like you can kind of put ten or twelve players in a hat and there wasn't elite top end talent in this draft like other drafts. But there was a lot of talent between like middle of the first round all the way through the fourth round. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings obviously felt that way because one of the main goals was going in and trying to get more picks in the second, third, fourth rounds. So they went into the draft with four picks between the second and fifth rounds. Or I'll even, let's include the first round too. They went in with with four picks between the first and fifth round. Yep. And they wind up making seven picks between the first and fifth round. Yep. And instead of making three six-round picks in the seventh, they make two six-round picks in the seventh. So they, they they just I think they did a great job and we'll and we'll see where it pans out with some of these players but 
they did a great job of maneuvering and trading back and accumulating extra picks within the first through fifth round range where the most talent was in this draft. And they weren't obsessed with trying to stockpile sixth and seventh round picks like we've seen with Rick Spielman in the past. I, I really like that tactic. Did they get the right players? We'll right. find out in time. And to your point from before, the, the comeback to that is, well, but they reached for a ton of players according to what the draft said. Yeah. I, I just see, again, look, if I don't like, something if i don't if i think a team's wrong i think it's fun to talk about and and there are fans in this town who get very upset about that and that's awesome um the draft is one though like like once i get past the philosophy i you know it's impossible dude i like i mean we could talk about um you know ty chandler should have gone earlier should have gone later we you know who really knows right um that's where it turns into a crapshoot i guess what i didn't like what i really didn't like about the first two trades uh was the fact that if you consider the draft to be a crapshoot and you consider it to be potential lottery tickets you allowed two of your prime foes including the packers who are your biggest foe to take players at positions that could absolutely hurt you i don't like that uh but yes phil you're correct the booth trade back up like i was apoplectic at first you weren't at all and the booth trade back up, calm me down because that seems like a good pick. Yeah, booth was according to the consensus big board, booth was the highest ranked player that they drafted. So he was eight slots above Lewis Seen on the consensus big board. I think PFF had Lewis Seen as twenty third, and Booth might have been a little bit below that. But they were they were both like first round gra- first round graded players. Yep. So the picks that people are. That the that the mocking community and and the the guys who study this in and out for a living are scratching their heads a little bit more about. Uh, people feel like it was a reach to draft Brian Asamoa with the sixty sixth overall pick, and I think there's some people scratching their heads about Ty Chandler a little bit too, just because well you already got three running backs on your roster right. and you know and you, and you you reached twenty picks, right. you know before his. Uh, consensus big board slot but I don't know this is I think Quasey has a certain clearly has a certain way about modeling the draft and he has a certain way of of going about the draft value trade chart too he's not using Jimmy Johnson's draft value trade chart right it's it's hard to sit here and say one way or the other that he had a great draft or a poor draft we have to I, I think the only thing you can say is if they believed that there was a ton of talent between the first and fifth rounds then this was a great draft for them on paper because they wound up with three extra picks than they started with between the first and fifth rounds. So, bravo. A little bit surprised that they did not go receiver until their second-to-last pick with, what what's it, Jalen Naylor, Michigan State, at yep. 191 in the sixth round. That surprised me a little yep. bit. Like, I thought that they would, well, we talked about a potential first round pick at 12 there but you know i thought that they might add one more because i i think i at the end of the day with o'connell and i don't know if i'm right about this but i feel like that's a position at which the depth chart can't have too much competition like i feel like it's incredibly important and i'll give you a pick that i like a lot as far as positional value that was debated about the uh vikings i like the fact that their last pick is a tight end 
Like if they had taken a tight end third round or fourth round, I'd be like, you're not going to use a tight end that much. Like look at the Rams. Irv Smith might be a hybrid, but like you're not going to make an ordinary tight end a focal point, right? So I, I guess I'm a little bit surprised they didn't go wide receiver quicker to try and, because I mean, there were a ton of them to try and add competition. But I do like the fact that they just basically at the end said, we'll take a tight end now. Because I don't think the two things is I do not think the fullback and tight end ultimately beyond an Irv Smith type of guy are going to have much of a role offensively for Kevin O'Connell. Nick Muse is the name of the tight end they drafted from South Carolina. And he's uh, I'm going to go on. I'll read his scouting report to you guys. I'm going to go on a limb and say that he's more of a blocking tight end. He got 20 passes his last year in college. So he he also played he played a handful of games at William and Mary as a freshman. They transferred to South Carolina. Athletic tight end with good size, ability to be flexed around formations. He's willing a willing run blocker at the point of attack. That's right. I'm flexing around the formation of my room. You should stop doing that, actually. I didn't. It's not like I showed you my chill boys. He's average at uncovering within the route, but lacks the length and hand talent to consistently win contested catch uh, battles. Hand talent, and the length. He drifts through his route breaks. Football. Needs to connect his feet with his hands as a run blocker. Football. Oh, so he's curling through town. From about 11.45 p.m. He's, to bedtime. That's that's usually an issue. For he's me, got the cat. Hands and feet, he's got man. the cat strut. You guys want more scouting reports? Hell yes. I love scouting reports. <laughs> They're the greatest because I try to figure out what they mean half the time. And I do love the fact that, that Thor Nystrom, who knows more about this than any of us, could not interpret one last night. It's got to be hard to write those because you're you're literally writing 400 of them. And you have, you got 20 bullet points right. on each of them. But, I mean, Thor Nystrom breaks down the entire draft, right? Like, yeah. he's a spot on. He's a great guest. He's fantastic. I literally asked him, what does that mean? And he's like, well, I'm going to guess. It kind of reminds me of, like, a play-by-play, mostly hockey guys. And I used to do this when I did St. Cloud State Hockey, that I would just put down on a piece of paper, like, six to ten adjectives that, like, I would like to mix in throughout the broadcast. Doc, it's a Doc Emmerich. Doc Emmerich. And he knifes his sh- way through the neutral zone. Shuffles the puck, slides the puck, Waffle glides boarded. the puck. Waffle yeah, pitch fork. Chips the puck. Pitch fork. Pitch pitch, I love puck. pitch fork. Because it's you know the same what? Thing. You pitch, but you pitch fork the puck a lot. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing with draft guys. Like they mix in these adjectives. I swear with that. Oh, okay, I, I use that one. That. That's awesome. Five away. I tried. Okay. Vidarian Lowe. The Vikings drafted Vidarian Lowe from the University of Illinois. He's an offensive tackle. They picked him in the sixth round. And according to NFL.com, mm-hmm. he's big, strong, and durable. That's good. Bendy. With adequate lateral quickness. Football. That's really good. Very important. You want quickness. He runs feet to stick and wash down opponents as a zone blocker. Football. So he like he comes with a hose? Yes, yeah. he has a he has a he actually has a super soaker. Super he just kind of carries yes. on him. Yeah. He's packing a super soaker. Yeah. Rips pass punch into <laughs> opponent with snap. Football. Wait, what? Read that again, please. Read the last one again. He rips pass punch into opponent with snap. Punch. Another way to say that might be, might be Baldy coming in with, with you know. Watch this throw here to Cameron Brady. Little quick jab. Quick jab. Bam. Little punch. Knock him off balance. You got to change it up. You get the predator off balance, and then you dance. 
Brian Baldinger doesn't just like football. He loves no. football. Uh, on the weakness side, pad level rises a little tall out of his stance, and he leans and drops his helmet into contact. His, his post foot deadens when sliding to inside counters. Football. And he needs to sit down and find footing to anchor. Football. Right. Gotta, have, gotta have that anchor. This is courtesy of Lance Zierlein, NFL analyst for NFL.com. Executive producer Declan Goff, next year we have to get him on. We had him on. Oh, we've had him on. We had him on. No, but I mean, just to talk, just talk about the write ups. Just the write ups? I, I don't want to talk about the prospects. I want to talk about these right. I mean, these write-ups are great. Can you imagine Lance Zierlein describing a day in the life of like Declan Goff? <laughs> oh, I would. I would pay if he. He should do a um, cameo or a Patreon account of of just him where he does that for a normal civilian. Where like you can have lacks, your day. Lacks snooze button discipline before yep. seven o'clock a.m. But I mean, think about how you would describe that. Like, could you have to describe it for like eighteen people? Works hard until adversity is in his face. Yeah. Doesn't uh, touch. Yeah, this is great. Okay, Ty Chandler, the the the, the running back who ran a four three eight here. The Vikings drafted Ty Chandler with the one hundred sixty ninth pick, fifth rounder. Oh. The NFL dot com write up says follows blocks and uses them as shields. Football. Oh yeah. Stays low and coiled to absorb and manage run contact. Football. Attacks linebackers down the seam and catches through heavy collisions. Football. Okay, on the weakness side, leggy strides slow quickness out of downhill cuts. Football. Lacks suddenness getting in and out of cuts and takes time to process the lane and hit the gas. Football. Who got it? Who doesn't? No breaks, all gas, no breaks, all gas. And unfortunately, play pace needs to quicken through the line. Otherwise, it's going to be tough. Football. Yeah, but that's why if you get him in space, you don't have to worry about the line. What happens when you get Judd in space outside at Surly Brewing Company? Well, here's what Judd does. He makes a draft pick. And when Judd's making draft picks, there's only one first-round, first overall pick. And let me tell you right now, Vikings fans, I ain't trading it. It's the Surly Furious IPA. Although on Thursday, and thanks again to all of you that showed up, it was a great time. The Before I Die Brew, we do have to get that back once more at least. We need to make that happen. Like Absolutely. that wasn't I'm not joking or and, and I'm not being a shill when I say that that beer was outstanding. Our guy did a great job. Like that was phenomenal. So anyway, what happens when you get me in space at Surly Brewing? is I had to as many taps as possible, and you should too. And if you can't get Surly Brewing, that's okay, because your local liquor store, well, that should carry Surly as well. Amen. All right, any final thoughts from you guys on a 2022 Vikings draft in the books here? I'm just really curious for the season. Like, I, 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 there are certain things, tendencies I didn't love about this, but again, I'm not going to critique, like, the depth of the players. I don't know. I don't think any, I, I think the experts don't know. Um, but I'm very curious to see where this franchise is going. And I'm also, part of it is based on this. There are, all kidding aside, a lot of people with a say here. Like, I think Quazy has the final say, but there's no question, and they should. The coaching staff does. Uh, You've got guys like Ryan Gregson, who was the GM with the Colts, who's definitely got a big say. So 
I'm just curious to see where things go. Declan, you're drafted twice by the Saints. I am. Three I times. Am. This guy yeah, drafted three Declan three times. You didn't draft times. Phil at all. I was, I was undrafted. I have to prove myself as an undrafted free agent. Yes. Uh, right, Davis. I like I like the the fact that they are going to try to address this defense and over the long haul get it back to where it should be. Um, just on the offset of what I said at the top of they're trusting that this offense just has to be tweaked. There's nothing that has to be added to it. There's no flavor. There's no missing ingredient necessarily. It just has to be prepared differently. And I'm curious if that's going to work. If if, if Chef KOC and, and his boys can cook up a, a good enough a meal pepper? here with that offense, a little salt. A little pepper. I mean, they could have a little more pepper on um, this offense, you know, right? You know, like, to, for, for example, I love um, – I'm not a big regular barbecue guy, but I love southern barbecue because they're vinegar-based and not mayonnaise-based like here in the Midwest. Like, Midwest is as mayo-based barbecue. Well, then I tried vinegar barbecue-based stuff, and I was like, oh, wow, I never knew this existed. And it opened my eyes to a top-five <laughs> food item, just like I want the Vikings mm. to be a top-five offense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll eat <laughs> – Pretty much any kind of barbecue. I was That's true, say, though, too. I think Declan's like, no mayonnaise-based barbecue. Yeah, I'll take any type of barbecue. Whatever you want it, yeah. Um, okay, I if the Vikings sign J.C. Treader, I give the offseason an A. If they don't sign J.C. Treader, I'm still not in love with the offensive line enough to say that it's an A offseason. So I'm like so they're, what they did in the draft, I think, is impacted to me by what they could still do in free agency here to help for the 2022 season. But it's, it's, it's hard to argue. If you're looking to fix your secondary, it's hard to argue with Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen with your first two picks. Beyond that, a lot of question marks, a lot of speed, and we'll just have to let it play out. But if if they were going in to try and fix a tattered secondary, then they definitely did their job. And if they were going to go in and try and stockpile picks between the first and fifth rounds, they did their job there too. So I think the, de- I think the defense has a very good chance to come back and be Pretty damn good. Yeah. I will say this. They have, and I hope they prove me wrong, they have more faith in Kirk Cousins than I do. Mm. All right, Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative. You, can't, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't have just left the episode slide without a Kirk Cousins no, dig, no. could you? No, because they think had to they throw that right in something there. I don't think is fair to him. Much what do you like mean not fair to him? Goodwill hunting. Kirk, it's not your fault. Kirk, it's not... I think they think that Kirk can turn into a uh, Super Bowl caliber quarterback with their coaching, and I don't think that's possible. Yeah. I'm here, and, and yeah, I, I do. I think Kirk is on the same level as Matt Stafford. I don't. Do I think there's? Do I think he's probably maximized his upside in the NFL as a fourth round pick that wasn't highly touted high school college? Yeah, I think it, I think we're kind of seeing the best of Kirk. Mm-hmm. Am I as offended now as I was a couple months ago that they're trying to run this thing back? Like they. If they're going to run it back, they've done a pretty good job in some certain areas. And so, oh, I'm going to let it play out. And if they wind up with eight or nine wins again, then we can do the I told you so party in yeah. February next year, January, February. I am waiting for July when a big golden chalice is heading down 94 in a convertible with a bunch of hockey players holding it. Well, you got to you got to get by the Blues in the first round first. That might be the hardest series you play. Well, Colorado. What is it about, Phil? It's about effing winning. Okay. All right. Judd's Hockey Show you can find as a podcast and also on the Scornoth YouTube channel. All right, boys. That's a wrap. We'll get ourselves into some trouble here tonight. Dex will be Who's back tomorrow with a little Vikings vent line. Yeah. And then you might think, oh, the draft is over. You guys must take. No, no, no. This is a daily show, 365 days a year. And we will have plenty of things to talk about starting. I mean, the real off season starts next week. 
Like, there's not really an off season until after the draft, but then the schedule comes out in like two weeks. Mock so we're gonna be all over that. Well, yeah, we'll mock a schedule. Send us, oh, yeah. send us your mock schedules. We'd love to see them. Yeah. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us. Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die.